Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 255. I'm your host, uh, Mike. Uh, can't think of anything clever right now. Wheels. And with me as always. Uh, Krasmazov, uh Death Truther. David Granny, Fanglemaster. And with us. Robert the Mighty Tam Albright who has become a master of the monk skills. Lovely. Those are useful skills. <laughs> yes, nothing, nothing like kicking people in the face in Final Fantasy XIV. Nice. Ugh. Kicking. Yeah, for some reason, the monk has a lot of kicking spells. Usually, I usually associate them more with punching. Oh, well. I mean, it depends on the, you know, the... Um, Real sad, yeah. No, I'm trying to think of this. The monastic teachings. There we go. <laughs> oh god, I need some Divinity 2 help right now. I don't know. Uh, what, I don't think you're gonna get it. I don't know what any of these campaign difficulties mean. <laughs> probably stick with an easier one then, instead of doing what you always do and picking the hardest one. I disagree. I think if you click into one, it will tell you more about it. Tactician mode. And then there's two different options there. What? Okay, well that's not helping. Classic mode, a classic role-playing experience. You're cunning, resourceful, and prepared for the perils of the way. Tactician, bring it on. Combat is demanding, and your foes are devious and observant. Not for the faint of heart. I know what story is, so what the hell is explorer mode? You prefer fair but forgiving adventure... Or is clever thinking in and out of battle? How is that different from classic mode? I'm so confused. Uh, I would imagine one of the classic mode is probably for the grognardier. Uh, explorer mode would be like a normal mode for modern times. Classic mode is probably a normal mode for like weirdos who played Baldur's Gate in 1998. So that's what I should pick. No, but it's what you're going to pick. Tactician mode is probably stupid hard mode. Remember, this is Wheels. Stupid hard is his joy in life. Oh, That's why I said it's what you're going to pick, no, not what I'm you should classic pick. Alright, All right, let's continue on with our nonsense. Uh, we may actually get Gaijin this, at some point today. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah, so what have, we, uh, what have we all been playing? Wheels, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Triangle Strategy, not surprisingly. Can't believe it. Uh, making a lot of progress there, getting deep into the game. Uh, how deep? I have no idea, but... Um, it feels like I'm definitely in the later stages of the game, so we'll see where it goes. Uh, what else have I been playing? Um, been watching a show based on a game that is... Oh, the Halo show. show. No, fuck that show. That show is terrible. It's fucking god-awful. My god, why did you make me remember that show? Because it's very funny to hurt uh, It's so fucking bad. Ugh. No, I've uh, I have been enjoying it, uh, Arcane, which is based on a game series I don't 
care for. League of Legends. League of Legends, but it's one of the best things I've ever watched. No exaggeration. Uh, like well, animation-wise, yeah, I've heard good things. Yeah, animation-wise, off the charts. Story-wise, excellent. Voice acting, phenomenal. I mean, it's got Yuri Lowenthal and um, uh, what's her name who played Spider Gwen in Spider Verse. I forget what her name is, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah she's one of the main characters. It's uh, the music is crazy good. It's uh, yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. I don't recommend no. playing League of Legends, but I absolutely recommend play, watching the hell out of this show at your earliest convenience. I was watching um, Scar play a little bit of the uh, that League of Legends RPG that's out, and it actually looks really good, too. Yeah, that's by... Um, they did the... Uh, what is it? Battle Chasers or something? Yes. They did, they did that RPG, and they also did uh, that... Um, top-down Darksiders game, all of which are quite good, so uh, they definitely have, like, the chops to make some really good stuff. So I'm not surprised that that one's good, too. But yeah, uh, Arcane, highly recommend. Um, what I gonna say? What else have I actually been playing? Um, I tried to start start up Akiba's strip, and somehow got a game over in the opening conversation. Akiba's trip. Akiba's yeah. It's trip. It's Akiba's trip, yeah. but it makes it look like Akiba's strip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Undead and undressed. Blah 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 blah. It's basically way of the samurai, but Nakihabara. No, not that one. Um, <laughs> the one on Switch. That was Hellbound and something. Oh, that's the sequel. No, no, it's not. It's actually the original one that never came to the US, remastered for Switch and PS4. Let's see, what are these fucking things called? Um. Let's Uh, yeah, it's Hellbound and Debriefed. Yeah, that's that's the one. Just the original game, remastered. Still seems to basically be a way of the same right kind of game. <laughs> I wouldn't know, because I picked the... You are, like, asked to join some organization at the beginning of the game, and I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. And then it was like, okay, you're dead. Game over. Just where I point out the... This is where I point out that the first way of the samurai allows you to just turn around right at the start of the game and instantly end it. Okay. I mean, Far Cry, uh, Far Cry 4 allowed you to do that, or Far Cry 5 allowed you to do that, too. It's true, but that's not as uh, related, because Acquire de developed Way of the Samurai and uh, Akiba's trip, which ah. is why it felt relevant. But... Yeah. Um, I don't always know who makes what games. I will admit this. Yeah, no, I've got brain problems and know who made every game, so. Which is uh, perfect for this show. It's 
sucks. It sucks being this person. I, I can I could understand why that sucks. I do. <laughs> it just means that I'm the shitty know it all in every discussion. But uh, I mean, it's like me being able to pick pick up a game I haven't played in years and remember exactly how to play it. Hmm. What else you been playing, Wheels? Um, some dot hack, which I played on Sunday Night Shenanigans. Um, <laughs> all right, he's he's off. All right, host me, host me, host me. But um, you were saying you. Oh, you I played, played some Mummy Demastered, which I got from Limited Games at PAX, which is it's Metroid. It's Metroid, like good Metroid, uh, I mean, flavored good. with a terrible movie. But you, hey, you don't have to watch the movie. You can just play the game, and it's wonderful. Fought a giant spider, like a giant lizard. Good times were had by all. Sounds good. Yeah. You two can enjoy the only meaningful remnant of the uh, dark universe that was supposed to have all the old universal horror monsters. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all I've been playing. Um <laughs> Other than some non-RPG BS. Uh, what else was I going to play? Uh, oh, I did play Dragon Quest Eleven during last Q&A quest. And, and... That doesn't count. You were playing that last Q&A quest. Yeah, I'm probably going to play that some more, though, because it seems like every time Matt guest stars on the show, I make like a good amount of progress in Dragon Quest Eleven. Something we should have him on more often so I can actually finish the game. That's a that's a trick, I guess. Uh but yeah. So Tim, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Well, I'm playing the game of trying to host wheels. Okay, I'll uh forward slash host to ask wheels. Slash, okay I'm doing an exclamation point, that's the What's going on in the Hearthstone game in your head? I don't know. Then evidently you ain't gonna win it. <sighs> Sounds like a challenge. Oh, what the fuck? Oh. Oh, I've been hosted by RP Gamer. Thank you, RP Gamer. Uh, what you been playing, uh, Tam? So, um, sort of going with the intro. Uh, of course, you know, playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV because the new. Patch I hear that got a new content patch. Yeah, uh, the new content patch dropped, and we just had the newest update this week to that, to uh, six point one one. So. Mostly for me, it's been just some quality of life changes, uh, the PvP changes, and then mostly me leveling the my classes. Um, mm. Although I have done that new alliance, that I love the new alliance. It is so much fun. Mm. So I'm I'm really excited to see what the rest of the story is going to be for that. Yeah. That's good. Like that's that's the life of the service game. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, yeah, but but that's the thing. It's a fun game. You know, I'm yeah. I, no, I'm not. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that's the life of a surface game. Sometimes uh, you get that new content patch, and it's like, oh, this is neat. <laughs> yeah. Well, like one of the biggest quality of life changes that I've noticed, and it's so minor. It's so mm -hmm. very minor. Is when you're cruising a shop now, and it's like has some sort of collectible, whether it be a mount, a minion, or orchestration, or what have you. It has a little check checkbox on the image of the item when you mouse over it, so you know you've already bought it. Hmm, that's useful. Yeah, so I mean, especially for me who has like sixty five percent of the minions in the game. <laughs> It's important to just have that information laid out for you. Yep. So I mean, it's 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 a nice little quality of life change. Um, so, hmm. and and I and it's been very helpful in me collecting some of the like my missing minions. I I spent like five hundred thousand guild this morning on pets off the auction board. Uh. Well, glad it's fun. Yeah, so... <laughs> I don't understand it, but glad it's fun. And 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 then the other thing I've been playing is uh, Super Robot Wars X. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I I like it. Um, honestly, I think I prefer the other two in that series more. V&T. Yeah, I like V&T a hmm. little bit more. That's fair. I hear 30 just got its last uh, set of DLC. Yeah, I haven't bought it yet, um, so. Hmm. But I'm I'm a little sad they're stopping production on that, but they're probably stopping so they can move on to their next game because let's face it, Super Robot Wars usually has a new game every year. Yeah, although they've slowed down the past couple of years, I would expect like I I would imagine I mean COVID's probably at least in part blame for that, but I would imagine that like the ambition is that the next one would be the next original generation game, but who knows. see but yeah uh i was a big fan of v and t but i haven't played very much of x so i just hear that it's good and i mean v and t are good but yeah i mean a lot of those are also going to be how much do you like the series list how much do you know the series list in, in the case of X? X really brought in some off-the-wall stuff I hadn't heard There's of. a lot of magic robots in that one, as I recall. Well, considering you're, like, on a world of magic, it kind of makes sense. It's like an alternate... Yeah, I would imagine that the, the story, the world was concocted to fit the series that they had put in there. Yeah, so but, in yeah. some cases, some some of them are, like, transported, but, but like, the Gundam units... Um, Or just feel a little weird because they're not mostly your you know they still have your traditional z z double zeta group, yeah like but, the the universal century set but um i actually think this is the only one uh, uh this one doesn't yeah this one doesn't have uh get a robo in it yeah which is rare it's not the only one that doesn't have a get a robo but it is a rare thing to not have any form of get a robo yeah all the uh, Although it does have uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, Mazinger. Yeah, Mazinger is like the... Mazinger and Gundam are the stalwarts just because there's so many permutations of them. And they're so easy to... 
Yeah, they actually gave uh, Tatsuya a uh, custom robot for this one. Oh, is that the... No, Mazen Emperor G was from... Uh, v. Does he get a different one? Yeah, um... Actually, I thought I looked at the mech list and said it was original. Uh, which one, though? Em Emperor. What, what is the mech called? Emperor. Oh, Mazen Emperor G? Yeah. Yeah, like Mazen Emperor G was like a new thing. It was it was essentially invented for uh for Super Robot Wars V so that there was like an upgrade for uh Great Mazinger to match Mazen Kaiser. But uh I want like officially like technically it's based off of an action figure that has absolutely no ties to any actual Ma uh, Mazinger thing, but I would imagine that that's more the official line, because as far as I can tell, it was basically just invented for Super Robot Wars, much like Mazenkaiser was. Yeah, but Mazenkaiser has its own show now. Yeah, but the, origin <laughs> the original Mazinger, the uh, Mazenkaiser origin, is like the most Super Robot fanfiction idea imaginable, because it's like, the, the version that exists in the anime and that a lot of them adapt is that Mazen Kaiser is a, like, super powerful, like, prototype that was too dangerous, so it was, like, stored in a cave or whatever. Uh, the original uh, version of Mazen Kaiser that showed up in the some of the oldest Super Robot Wars games was, it was what happened when Mazinger Z got hit with Getter Rays. So just like, what if Mazinger and Getter came together? Well, this is what would happen. It would be a really powerful Mazinger. Which is also why, like, uh, Mazenkaiser has a Super Robot Wars native theme song that has only ever been used in Super Robot Wars. They hired the singer of the original Mazinger Z theme to sing an even more ridiculous over-the-top theme song for Mazenkaiser. Let me see if I can... Uh... But yeah, it's, it's great. Um, but yeah, Mazen Emperor G was essentially invented to give great Mazinger an upgrade like that. Let's see, what else is in this game? Uh... Gundam Reckongista, that's a weird one to put alongside all that Universal Century. See, and, see as I said, that and that one's kind of one of your main ones, because that's one of your uh, battleships. Yeah, well, they, they, it needed to be a main one because it was a Gundam series that was debuting in that game, so they kind of had to do something with it. Uh, Nadia Secret of Blue Water, that's kind of a big debut. Yeah, that was a big first. Um... Obviously, Battleship for, for that one as well. Yeah, very easy uh, choice for Battleship on that. Uh, and then we've got uh, Machine Hero Wataru, which uh, has essentially no English footprint, but uh, Americans of a specific age and with extremely strange... Uh, Childhoods may remember it as Keith Courage and Alpha Zone on the TurboGrafx-16. Now that one is actually kind of one of the like heavy backbones for the game as a whole. Um, yeah, that, that anime is very much parroting a whole bunch of 
things all at once. Uh, there's a character that looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's uh, it's very late eighties. And then, um, and and actually, one of probably one of the very earliest uh, forms of uh, climate discussion you can have. Yeah. But that one's that one's just kind of weird. But yeah. Um... Also, hello, heavy. It packs was a good time. Probably talk about yeah, some of that in a little bit. Yeah, we're, we, we're, yeah. we're putting wheels to sleep with Super Robot Wars again. Okay, time to wake him up by screaming about Disco Elysium for a bit. Um, so I've played... Uh, hmm? Oh, I was going to say, but that's really been all I've played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, so I've been playing more Disco Elysium... My encyclopedia stat has raised high enough that my character has, like, I have to combat my character's capacity to be an insufferable know-it-all. There was a point where I was, like, talking to a child trying to direct people into her mother's bookstore, where, like, I had to combat the encyclopedia stat's urge to try to explain to her what a book is. <laughs> I have no idea why it thought that was a good idea, but I wasn't going to sit there and let my encyclopedia stat waste my time explaining a book to someone who is directing me into a bookstore. So that was uh, a choice, a choice not taken. Uh, ma- making making headway into the actual investigation of the game. I am on like I am about halfway through day two. I think the game like at absolute max, takes five days, so it'll be interesting to see how much I can get done in that time. Uh, I found an extremely rich man in a shipping container, and it had one of one of the most incredible statements I have ever gotten for trying... Like, to get into the shipping container, I had to... I didn't have to, like... There is no, like, lockpicking skill or anything in this game. I had to pass a rhetoric check to try to persuade the door to open. And uh, I did. So good on me. Good Pass work. that rhetoric check. What? Good work. Yeah. Um, let's see what else was there. Uh, but the other great thing is like, and this is a great bit of reactivity, the kind of reactivity that the game has. Uh, that I know a friend didn't get this dialogue. So basically, there is a point late in the day where you can run into someone who's just doing graffiti on the side of a. Uh, on the side of a wall, and you can get uh, you can your character can become interested in making their own graffiti art, and uh, so like there will be a point after talking to them where you'll see a, a wall, a big blank wall, and your character will get like briefly obsessed with trying to paint it, and your your partner just gets exasperated with you because he's just like, come on, man, we got we got work to do. Uh, but the thing is, when I tried to open the shipping container, he's like, why are you trying to open the shipping container? You're not trying to paint it again, are you? And, like, you'll only do that if you get those two events in a very specific order. Which is very funny to me, and a good bit of reactivity that gives the game a lot of, uh, character. But yeah, I've been, I've been having a great time with that. Uh, a lot of incredibly sharp dialogue has been going on, uh, it's just, it's just great. It's as great as I said it was last week, and perhaps even greater, so. 
Sweet. Play it. It's it's really it's really fucking good. Um, when I haven't had the uh, amount of brain space necessary to play Disco Elysium, I've been uh, I, I've been messing around with the Ogre Battle franchise, the broader Ogre Battle franchise. Uh, I don't know if anyone here has ever played Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen for any significant length of time. I've gotten decently far into it. So would you agree that at least at first blush, that is an impenetrable, impenetrable game? Yes. It has Good. a lot of nuanced systems that are not explained to players, and it is very easy to end with getting bad endings because you don't know how to do it. And boy howdy, there are a lot of bad endings as far as I can tell. Oh yes. But yeah, it's 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 both like a a game that has a lot of largely unexplained systems and a game that is there's not really that much that plays like it. It's a weird game. Also, hello, Smoking Joe. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's probably going to take me a long time to be able to successfully complete a satisfying run of Ogre Battle Marsh of the Black Queen. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep at it. Uh, so we'll see how that uh, goes. I, of course, noodled around a bit with Tactics Ogre Let Us Claim Together. That is a much more familiar game if you've ever played uh, any of its progeny, which is to say Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting one to mess around with. Although uh, FF Tactics never really took on Ogre, uh, the Ogre Battle and Tactics Ogre's love of extremely reactive stories that have like very long-reaching complications based on your choices. But that's that sure is evident all around Tactics Ogre. So. And then, just for my own curiosity, I also messed around a bit with uh, Tactics Ogre the Night of Lotus, which is... Seemingly a fairly uh, charming uh, portable strategy RPG from the early aughts that I don't think uh, very many people played. It's the sad death knell of that franchise. Uh, I have no idea how well it's regarded. It seems perfectly fine. I own uh, it. It's probably quite rare now, so good on you. Being a... Uh, being the last game that Quest put out before going under and being an Atlas RPG from that era, it's probably yeah. quite a pain to get hold of at this stage. Yeah, I bought it new. Nice. When it was new, let me let me emphasize Yeah, that. I assumed as much. Because <laughs> otherwise you'd be spending uh, hundreds of dollars on it, I'm sure. No idea where it is, though. That's a shame. Yeah, so I have this giant... Uh, like video camcorder bag from the late 90s, early 2000s. So, you know, yeah. it's in size. Um, and I put all my, like, Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games in it, and I have no idea where it is right now. That's oh, boy. It's somewhere in this bedroom. 
Brand new, lowest price, $450 on eBay. Opened or unopened? Uh, unopened. Open box, 230 Wow. See, I know my gaming collection is worth some money, but damn. Yeah, yeah. No box, $94. I think I still have the box somewhere, unless my kids have destroyed it. Always a always a possibility. But I mean, still a hundred dollars for a for a Game Boy Advance game is still really good. Yeah. Also, a lot of these pictures have people having disassembled the cartridge just to prove that it's not a fake. <laughs> There's a wow. lot of bootleg GBA games running around, so that makes sense. Mm. But yeah. Um... Yeah, Knight of, Knight of Lotus, as far as I can tell, has a much less complicated uh, branching system, but it seems like a perfectly fun tactical RPG from that era. If uh, FF Tactics Advance pissed you off, then might as well play some Tactics Ogre. Uh, well, Tactics Advance only pisses me off because of the judge system. <laughs> Don't judge me. I'm judging you. I'm not here to judge you. But, yeah. Uh... That seems to be kind of the, the yeah. So that, that's that's neat. Uh, there is a semi-complete patch for the Neo Geo Pocket Color Ogre Battle game, but playing an Ogre Battle spinoff in half English sounds like a layer of hell. I'm not yet ready to plumb, so I didn't touch that yet. And Ogre Battle '64: Person of Lordly Caliber is. A very complicated game. <laughs> yes. It's it's very funny to me. There are like five Nintendo 64 RPGs, and one of them is uh, something as complicated as Ogre Battle 64. <laughs> and then the, the, one of the simplest is just Quest 64. Yep. Quest 64 is like simple in terms of its presentation it does actually have like a weirdly complex leveling system that can fuck you over but yeah it's, it's still a better beginner one than some not not as good as hello 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 hey joe. joe i am trolling you and you're not responding <sighs> Because Wheels is trying to read to play two games at once, and I'm trying to ramble about Ogre Battle. I know, but um, you mentioned Quest sixty four, and that two games that I'm trying to ramble about Ogre Battle. Okay, oh God, yeah, you need to stream, you need to mute the stream. But, uh, you mentioned Quest sixty four, and that God. Oh God. About Ogre Battle. Yeah, you need to. Okay, Maya. Sorry. Well, sorry, right. you. Uh, we're gonna get an earful about that, and face. rightly so. I'm sorry, get. Are you getting the, crazy echoes here? No more. No more. Okay. Sorry. It's That's okay. all good. Oh man, dude! No this, more, no oh, more. my Chromebook is okay. like shitting itself. Sorry. Oh my god. Oh no! Echo. Oh man, dude! Oh my god! Mute your stream. <laughs> Alright. Uh, but yeah, you were saying? Sorry. No, I mean before that. <laughs> I was saying, you, you mentioned Quest 64, it piqued my interest. Yeah, uh... 
the later ported to the Game Boy Advance, not Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, was Quest Brian's Journey, which had a much better name in Japan. In Japan, it was uh, Elemental Tail Jack's Great Adventure of Satan's Counterattack. Huh. Which is much more complicated a name than that game needs or deserves. Um, Hang on one second. Yeah, I'm trying to Ooh. think of all of the actual N64 RPGs. Uh, and which, if any of them are good, uh, aside from like, so Paper Mario is good. Ogre Battle 64 is good. Uh, after that, things get real dicey. You get Quest 64, which also has an unreleased sequel that I don't think anyone's ever done. Alright, I switched to my phone. Hopefully that's better. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Uh, so you got Quest 64 and its unreleased sequel. Uh, Paper Mario, which is good. And... Aiden Chronicles the First Mage? I mentioned that the other day. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. No, it's dreadful. I had friends who, like, they convinced themselves on a bet to play through Quest 64. They ended up having fun. Then they tried to do the same thing with Aiden Chronicles the First Mage and gave up in an hour. Alright, I've got the master. I've got a master list in front of me, David. So, I've got, I've, I Google searched, uh, RP Nintendo 64 RPGs. I've got a master list in front of me. Yeah, there's not a lot of them. Yeah, so there's also uh, Hybrid Heaven. There's PD Ultraman Battle Collection 64. Oh, those rare Japan only N64 games. Yep, Japan only. Quest 64. Uh, Ocarina of Time, of course. Uh, Gauntlet mm -hmm. Legends. We're getting... That is an arcade game. We are fighting real hard to include as many things as we can. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's listed as an adventure RPG, or action RPG. Yeah, it's stretching. It does have leveling up. It's bit. still a huge stretch. Uh, Super Girl Robot Legend Wars 64. Is one of my favorite games. It's great, it but it's bad. not really an RPG. I know. <laughs> oh, Robopon 64, finally. Uh, Azul Maju Tsukai Densetsu. That's so obscure, even I have never heard of it. Wow, that is obscure. Uh, Majara's Mask. Yeah. Uh, Paper Mario, which we mentioned. Um, Mega Man 64, which is just Mega Man Legends. Yeah, it's just Mega Man Legends. <laughs> Fushugi no Dungeon Furai no Shiren to Oni Shiren Ju. That does yes. have a extant fan translation, I think, as well. What about um, Pokemon Stadium? Does that count? No. Um, I think that uh, let's no. The Pokemon Stadium was an arena battler. Yeah, there's no real like campaign mode to that. No. Um, so games with some RPG elements. Um, I'm looking at the same list now. Wonder Project J2 is like a raising simulation. Yeah, Hexen. Uh, he Hexen is just a Doom clone with, like, character <laughs> classes. Yeah, Hexen no, is not no. there. Yeah, no. Uh, Hexen should not be on this list at all. Whoever yeah. made this list needs to be shot. Uh, Mystical Ninja starring Goman. Now, I, I was going to debate that one, because Mystical Ninja 64 starring Goman, you know, which is part of the... Going on, yeah. That one I, I would a little more RPGist than some of the other entries. 
That one, I would say, the, the thing I would say is if you're counting Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask as RPGs, then you would count that. Personally, I don't count either of those as RPGs. Like, I know that's the eternal debate about whether Zelda's an RPG. We cover it on the site as, like, a grandfather clause thing. Uh, but, like, Goemon is no less an RPG than Ocarina of Time. Yeah, especially that one, from what I saw in one of the... Yeah, specifically that one. Goemon's Great Adventure is not really an RPG in any meaningful sense, but Mystical Ninja starting Goemon is definitely an RPG. Also, Ogre Battle 64 as not an RPG is truly an incredible... Like, it's a tactical RPG. Well, they're, they're calling it a strategy game, which I can see that instead. So, I mean, some people refer to as strategy, some don't. Um, let's see, uh, Goemon's Great Adventure, which we just mentioned, Harvest Moon 64. Which, that's one of the most beloved Harvest Moon by the hardcore fans. Also known and as Hybrid Heaven! Heaven! Which you had just mentioned. Yeah, which, uh, like it's, like this list says, like, action game with just a single RPG element. Uh, that single RPG element is that you have, like, turn-based battles with, like, evolving attacks based on how you use them. I would say that's more RPG than not. Yeah, that's more RPG than half the things on this. <laughs> uh, and then Hamster Monogatare 64. Yeah, uh, I've heard of that. I've not played it. I would imagine it's mostly a hamster racing simulation. <laughs> oh, look. That katana for the N64 has limited stat point RPG mechanics too, but hardly affects the gameplay. <laughs> that katana should not be on any list except bad games. katana! <laughs> I, I would like to point out that the, this, this random Nintendo Wiki article that we're looking at uh, also has, like, a half paragraph describing why Hybrid Heaven is considered an RPG, but it's, like, dismissing it out of hand. Hybrid Heaven is considered a role-playing game just because it uses experience points with random enemy battles and turn-based battle system. It's like, that's generally what we consider an RPG. <laughs> it's, it's a very strange, like, it, it seems like they were looking more for aesthetic matches than, uh... Than what the content of the game was, but yeah, Hybrid, Hybrid Heaven is a weird ass game and uh, honestly kind of underrated. Uh, it's made by one of those Konami branches you've never heard of. I think it might be Konami Osaka. Let me double check. Uh, but it's it's an extremely late '90s game, extremely weird. Uh, yep, Konami Computer Entertainment Osaka. Uh, Long before that was uh, folded into the uh, main mothership of Konami. But, when yeah. They about games. Yeah, when they were a game company rather than a. Uh, had diversified into mostly health spots and pachinkos. But, uh, but, now, but now they're running into issues with pachinkos, so. Yep, all sorts of legal issues around that. Uh. But yeah, Hybrid Heaven's a weird ass game. If you just want to play something weird. Like, maybe go uh, track yourself down a copy of that. And I think I've mentioned this before, but it's the source of one of my favorite eBay listings I've ever seen, and I'm so sad that I did not screenshot it. Because it was just... The, the full listing just said, Hybrid Heaven, I drew a mustache on it. Because the like protagonist's face is on the like 
cart label, and they had a picture, and they had indeed drawn a mustache on it. And inexplicably, it was, uh, like, eBay's internal listing said that it was Mario Kart 64. I should have bought it. I don't know why I didn't. How dare you. Everyone should, but yeah, play, play Hybrid Heaven, that's weird. It's weird. Everyone likes weird, right? It's weird. <laughs> I mean, that's the uh, basis of Super Robot Wars. It's true, it's true. Super Robot Wars 64 is also a pretty good Super But we don't want to put... Yeah, didn't, didn't that get ported, though? Nope, never been ported. No part of it has ever been reused in any meaningful fashion. Its original characters have never been reused. Oh, wow. Like, it was... Co-developed by Hudson, there's likely some sort of rights issues surrounding it, so they've just never touched it again. Uh, okay, never been ported to anything. It's one of the two or three games that has uh, Giant Robot that in Europe stood still as one of its constituent series. Uh, might be the only one that has both that and G Gundam, which are two series by the same director and which share a lot of thematic similarities. So it's, it's a neat game. Uh, but yeah. Uh, no, uh, no real, uh, modern constituency, but I won't talk about that too much because it'll put wheels to sleep. Um, video games. Uh, wheels, tell us about your PAX trip. <laughs> uh, so I got to play some games at PAX. Most notably was WrestleQuest. Nice. Uh, which is... Oh, yes, which we're, we're all waiting, we're all very excited for yes it was definitely very jrpg inspired very 90s inspired like there's a cult that worships the road warriors there's a giant um macho man statue and one of the main characters is definitely like worships macho man uh there's like all the different towns are based on like different types of wrestling like there was a luch they told me there's like a luchador town and stuff like that or like a hardcore wrestling town Oh, no. it's, if you like JRPGs and wrestling, then it is for We're you. Basically, the audience for our podcast. Exactly. <laughs> so it definitely felt like an RPG, uniquely for a lot of people that do stuff with us. <laughs> uniquely so, yeah, for us, dummies. So that's definitely worth checking out. I got to play um, Aodin Chronicles Rising, which is like a side-scrolling action RPG, which is pretty fun. Um, uh, I don't really know how to describe it, but it's just like fast and easy and fun. It seems like it had good story. Looks great. Music's great. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, and... What else did I get to play? I got played a weird game from Exceed called Deadcraft, which is an action RPG zombie game with open world elements, farming elements, and tower defense elements. Wow. Yes, it's got mm -hmm. like all the things. Uh, it was weird. I probably didn't make it sound very appealing, but it was actually like pretty cool. So uh, there is a demo out for that if people want to check it out. 
see. I played another game that I don't want to say by name, other than it was a nice reminder that although many RPG, many indie RPGs can nail a look or a basic feeling uh, of much better games, many of them are effing terrible. So. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. I think I just did. I'm very curious what the name is, but I can understand why you're not saying Yes, it. I will happily tell you off-stream, I'm not going to name it by name. Because I don't think that's, be think that's uncouth. Hmm. Uh, uncouth. And I play? I think that was about all I played. Just a few hmm. demos. Uh, but definitely people should check out Dead Deadcraft specifically because there's a demo they can download like right now on every platform and definitely won't be for everyone but some other people will probably think it's cool so check it out it'll be for someone yeah um nope I'm out of thoughts uh let's move on uh, anything else you wanted to talk about from Pacties? Um, I'm sick of stuff based on the original Ninja Turtles cartoons, but uh, Shredder's Revenge does look cool. Um, looks extremely Valorant is trash, and I'm sick of seeing Valorant. Uh, let's see. He's just sick of a lot of things here, it seems like. Let's see, other thoughts. Um,. There's a lot of arcane cosplay, or, well, also just general, like, League of Legends cosplay, specifically one it's character. a huge franchise. Uh, specifically, like, Jinx. Anyone vaguely familiar with this will know who that is, and they were all yeah. impressive. So kudos to all those cosplayers, because that's, that's not an easy, like, character to pull off, and, like, everyone I saw cosplaying that character looked great. So, hmm. uh, I think that that's all my thoughts on things. Yeah, that's fair enough, then. Let's see, let's see, anything else note? Uh, I didn't want to actually watch anyone playing Baldur's Gate 3, but they had a cool Mind Flayer statue. Fun. <laughs> um, saw some amusing things, like uh, Xseed was selling Akiba's Beat for 15 bucks. Which is shocking to see a brand new sealed Vita game sold for that much. But I also saw it being sold uh, literally like... 50 feet away for 30 bucks from some random other vendor which was kind of hilarious um i think that same vendor also had like some limited road games for expensive that they were showing selling on the show floor as well um but oh yeah of note was a lot of the vendors selling like retro shit like everything they had there was total trash huh. like I'm usually mildly, mildly tempted to buy something and it was just a lot of meh Not sure. uh, yeah that's about it 
Nothing else on PAX East. Okay. Uh, before we move on, I do want to bring up something that is uh, a couple things that are pursuant to either things we've discussed or things that I think the audience might find interesting. Uh, the first of which being uh, that apparently Baldur's Gate 3 does have a release date. We were talking about this before the show. It's yeah. apparently 2023 now. What? 2023. Yeah, 2023. Okay. No, that it matters to me because I have it on early access and I can play it whenever. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. not surprising. But yeah, uh, and <laughs> this, is, this is more just like weird industry trivia, but uh, apparently Aspire acquired Beamdog. What? <laughs> what? What? So like the, Aspire is in like the former Mac porting house? Yeah. They acquired Beamdog? That's the the people that did all the remasters of Baldur's Gate, right? Yes. That's weird. Yeah. It was it had a bunch of Bioware people added at various points. That's not a thing I ever thought would happen. Aspire being large enough to buy any company is not something <laughs> I expected to happen. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you can scoop up some ex-Bioware talent while you're remaking Night Shield Wait, Republic, it kind of makes hold sense. On. Aspire is owned by the Embracer Group, actually. Yep. That's, yep. That explains that. Yeah. There. But it's one of those things where it seems like part of the acquisition point may be to uh, get some uh, knowledge on that, uh, on ideas for that Kotor remake, but we'll see. Yeah, I think Aspire handled all the ports of uh, Civilization Six. Sounds right. Yeah, they that's what they were born as, a porting house. Okay. Um, oh. So our Swedish, are they S- Swedish? Mm-hmm. Our mafia friends are buying up everything. Uh, THQ Nordic? Yes. Slash the Embracer Group? Yes. Let's check. They're buying up all, like, everything, and it's not. Yeah, they're Swedish. It's not actually quite obvious. Yeah, because they're always doing it through, like, three different yeah. names. Oh, oh so that's, that can... was another thing about um, PAX East. I was. I, was uh, walking around and it was like there was um, what was it like Koch Koch Media Koch Coach, not Koch Coach. Media Coach Media and Deep Silver and some other ones it's like oh it's, all these yeah. guys are here and there's Gearbox and then it, it dawned on me oh this it's is the all Embr- Embracer this group. is the Embracer Group section <laughs> uh, and just so you know uh, that. Coke or Kosh, they're not related to Coke yeah, industry. No, 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 no. Yeah, totally very different. different. Yes. Exactly. Just want to make sure yeah. people know that. Yeah, THQ, Nordic, Embracer Group, like all that, like I have no idea what's going on. There's like all sorts of name shuffling happening there that makes it impossible to keep track of what they're doing. Yeah. It's, it's a gigantic conglomeration. It, it really is. And looking like the list of subsidiaries 
it's a bunch of subsidiaries and then subsidiaries of those. Apparently they own Dark Horse Comics. I realized they bought that. Yeah, Dark Horse Media. Yeah. Apparently it happened this past December. Jeez. They've been on a buying spree. Let's see. Like looking at what they have acquired within. If you want to know about buying sprees, Elon Musk bought Twitter. It's not uh, he he made an offer to buy it that he may very well back out on. So we won't go further into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah let's that, see. That won't be. That's like not final for quite a. That while. won't be final for at least six months. But uh, like just looking at what they have bought in the past year since April of 2021, something called Easy Brain, whatever that is. Gearbox, Saber Interactive, Amplifier Game Invest, whatever that is, Coke Media, THQ Nordic, Coffee Stain Holding, Deka Games, a further, like, some aspect of Gearbox that completed its acquisition long after the rest of Gearbox. Uh, oh, this, this is explaining, like, via, like, the name that it had when they acquired it. Oh, lordy. Because, like, I'm, I've been moving past... Yeah, 3D Realms, uh, like, Demiurge Studios, Fractured Bites, Gate Ironworks, like, all these names, half of them you've heard of, half of them you've never heard of. Uh, Dark Horse Comics, uh, Perfect World Entertainment, uh, Film Networks, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Digic Pictures, Aspire, Beamdog. Lost Boys Interactive, Cryptic Studios, Handy Games. Like, it, there's there's so many of these. I don't know what it's, happened. And it's wild because this is all happening under everyone knows, everyone's noses because it's like some of their subsidiaries are buying companies. And they yeah, don't... like it is, it is very hard to actually keep a close eye on when these acquisitions are being yeah. made. Really. And they don't really use like Embracer Group that much. It's all the subsidiaries. That's all you see. Yeah, I, I can't even it's begin weird. to guess what the what the mindset is behind. Like who, what portion of the company is used to acquire what for what reason? They're it's, like it's Dis they're Disneying a bunch of stuff. Disneying a but bunch of stuff. All, our noses. All, the stuff either, <laughs> all the stuff that's either too Euro European for you to have heard of in America, or uh, just like stuff that you didn't, it, it like looks small when you see them purchased. Well, what's interesting is most of the names you've been saying, they've got a lot of quality to it. I wonder if they're going to try and break into the video game console market. I don't think that, like, that That requires, you don't need quality, like, you don't just need uh, quality studios for that. You need, like, a gigantic-ass R&D group, which, the way that they're diversified, that doesn't really make sense. A lot of the way that they make money is, we just port things. We port all of it, like, we acquire, like, an ungodly number of IPs in the process of doing this, and we port them to everything. And we didn't spend much on, uh, relatively speaking, we spent very little on the ports. We didn't spend anything on the initial investment of creating the game. So, like, these are a lot of this is basically just like using games as a form of passive income. Like, hardware R&D is like an entirely different ballgame. 
Yeah, like, there's so much that's owned by the Embracer group, it's actually terrifying to think about. Yeah. Um, so we won't. Uh, no, moving on. my mind is kind of blown. Let's see. <laughs> they are way uh, bigger than I even thought they were. Once again, an apology to Talaro O for uh, us having some issues uh, pinning down what exactly is uh, drowning out the conversations. Uh while we're recording to actually stop it from happening. Apologies. Uh, we've got a question in the Discord from Doomerang. If you were to play an RPG like Digimon Cyber Sleuth, do you feel compelled to watch the anime first instead? Was there like a direct anime adaptation of Digimon Cyber Sleuth, or is he just referring to the Digimon anime in general? Mm. I don't think there's a direct adaptation of that, and my response would be, like, it's going to depend a lot on how closely related they are. None of the Digimon anime, like, are even remotely the same universe as Cyber Sleuth, as far as I'm aware. Uh, I think it also depends on, like, like, what the game, what knowledge the game requires out of you. Like, um, thinking of, like, some related games like the the uh, one piece rpg that came out for 3ds a long time ago that thing really expects you to already know what yeah, piece exactly uh, yeah there like... is not a cyber sleuth anime but there is a cy cyber sleuth uh, manga that makes sense it's usually like tie-in manga because like that's the other thing is like if, if it's game native then watching the anime is almost always like if you're gonna bother at all save it for afterwards, because it's usually going to be a worse version of the story. Uh, and apparently, I, as of October of 2020, it has shipped more than 1.5 million units worldwide. That's uh, good for it. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I, I feel like you, in, in the annals of video game anime adaptations, like, history there's there's not a lot of winners in that group uh like you'll you'll get like passable ones uh if the game itself had an incomprehensible story the anime will sometimes make sense i think specifically of gungrave but uh like otherwise like a lot of game adaptation anime is just uh Kind of not that interesting. Like, it's usually just a retelling of the game, but less good. <laughs> if the game is if the game is based on an anime, I mean, like, I probably won't bother playing the game unless I already care about the anime. I've got to hear a lot of good things to draw me into a game based off... A licensed game based off a license I don't already care about. Yeah, it... it uh, yeah, it's hard for me to go play a game that has anime in it when I haven't, like, if I've not invested in the anime. Uh, perfect example, the fairy tale RPG. Actually, really good RPG. Uh, very solid. Follows the plotline very closely in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it summarizes a lot of it, so you're instead of watching, like, you know, 200 plus episodes of an anime, you're getting, like, 40 hours worth of video game that goes over 200 plus episodes. 
Okay, it's maybe like 175 to 200. I, I forget the exact number it went over. A lot of episodes. A lot of episodes. So, it's, it's like, time to anime ratio, very good. Um, hmm. But in other cases, like Super Robot Wars, I haven't seen Jack, Jack shit for most of those series. I know about them, but I will say playing Super Robot Wars has made me interested in going and watching some of these old some of these animes that are in it. Yeah, like the, the the way I would describe it for like Super Robot Wars is like Super Robot Wars kind of puts this into direct action because it's impractical to have watched every series in most of them. Like you're looking at uh, like the the smallest series rosters are still like ten series. It's impractical to assume that the majority of the audience has seen all of them. So you know. Uh, you, you tend to see, especially as you get into some... Some of the older ones have smaller series lists, but they're also series lists comprised of shows that aired in 1978. So... And also, you. you know, let's face it, for the most part, these are games that were not designed for American audiences, so there's a lot of stuff that is going to be very hard for an American to track down. Yeah, I don't think that there's an official uh localization of invincible superman die turn 3 no but i do know that votums did used to have a dub or a sub a sub of oh, votums like all that's been translated officially excuse me invincible steel man die turn 3 uh but yeah like uh a lot a lot of these there's just not a uh... yeah like a lot of these there's just uh, a lot of super robot war series there's not an official uh english release of any of them and some of them have only had official english releases within the past few years uh so you just sort of have to roll with the punches and watch what you can and like if something's a lot of times like kind of the point is oh if this was interesting to you then you should you know Maybe you should watch it. Uh, but, you know, like, it's it's basically, like, that's why they're able to get these licenses to some extent, is they create interest in the brand. Or they own the brand. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I suppose Bandai would own some a lot of this, yeah. Yeah, because, uh, well, I, didn't Bandai just buy out Sunrise Group? They've, they've owned Sunrise for decades. Uh, they renamed it recently. Yeah, they recently killed the Sunrise name. But yeah, officially, I think they bought... Uh, yeah, they bought Sunrise around the time of Victory Gundam in, like, 1990. Uh, there's infamously, like, a spat between Sunrise and Bondi about... Uh, like, the original uh, intended... Uh, production order for Victory Gundam meant the titular Victory Gundam would not show up until like episode 5 and Bandai basically threw a fit saying like you have to show the toy that we're advertising in the first episode <laughs> and so you know whether it, or not it's, like, it's actually in the first you know in the first five, you have to at least sew it somehow in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, so there's, like, some hasty rejiggering of the first few episodes to, like, recut them so that, like, 
the victory Gundam is shown early on, and then like they flash back, and yeah, it's it's, it's a weird thing. Victory Gundam's got a lot of problems, not the least of which is that uh, Yoshiyuki Tomino was not a uh, normal and stable man, even at the best of times, and uh, <laughs> victory is him in a very unhappy period. Uh, but it's it's got all sorts of issues, but not the least of which was also him being forced to deal with uh, with Bondi's sometimes truly ridiculous demands. Uh, which would lead into the next series being G Gundam, which was Bondi trying to think of what the most toyetic idea they could come up with was. And that idea was, what if there was a Gundam for every country in the world and they all had a big fight? Uh, and then the guy they got to direct that was someone they thought would be more malleable than Tamino. And he had, uh, they essentially had the same issues they, with him as they had with Tamino. He was a very headstrong individual. But yeah. Uh, let's see. But, yeah, I was going to say something about it. Uh, sorry, head's completely dead. It's been a long week already. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, and that, that's Super Robot Wars. We won't want to put wheels any further to sleep, so... <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll move on. But yeah, like, it's it's got to be a really... Uh, it's got to be a game with a real reputation for me to uh, play it without having seen uh, everything. To, <laughs> without having seen the material it's adapting to begin with. And... I'm going to watch, like, an adaptation of a game. I'm probably going to do it long after I've already played through the game. But yeah. Uh, that looks like our only new question there, so... Let's go to questions. Let's check the document. We are late in the game. We are finally on nearly the... We're on the last page and a half. Sweet. <laughs> wow. See. My question is why isn't Wheels just playing Divinity Original Sin 2 exclusively? Uh, Wheels you know is broken in the head. Because it's Wheels. I'm trying to hit Legend <laughs> on um, Wild. Because I already hit Legend in Standard. Okay. You're broken in the head. The season um, is in three days. I don't understand you. Okay, I don't care. Moving on. I have a question uh, for Dave and Tam. Do you think Hearthstone is a good game? I don't play card games. I don't know. Okay. I played there you it. it. What were you saying, Tam? I said I've played it. <laughs> that, that's my answer, is I've played it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, 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 I don't really have an opinion one way or the other if it's good or bad. I've just simply played it. <laughs> I used to play it, and then I almost had a heart attack. That seems bad. Don't do that. I don't think I it means literally. No, not literally, no. but I'm just saying it was like... At a certain point, I'm like, I hate this game. Yeah, this game has ruined my life. Yeah. So, no, I stopped years ago, and I feel good about it. Good, good choice. 
Okay. Uh, so fire miner in we the long list. Died during the tutorial again. Fire miner in the long list of uh, questions has asked number one fifty six. Were Final Fantasy four and Dragon Quest five the game Sakaguchi and Holly had dreamed of making for their entire life? If yes, then I really have to wonder how much did the NES constrain their vision. I once read from an article Reason Square and NX and Falcom stuck with PC gaming during the late 80s because they always wanted to push beyond the limits. Uh, I don't think so, not the least of which is that, like, during their youth, video games didn't exist. Uh, but also, just, just in general, like, where primarily stuck to PCs because they were cheap. Like, prior to the Famicom, like, before they became, like, a Famicom developer, they were, like, the disc operating group, and, like, that was, you know, they made a lot of games that were designed for a medium that was cheap. Like, that, that was really kind of the long and short of it. Same with, same with NX, like, you don't pay, uh, it's cheaper to manufacture, and you don't pay Nintendo money, but they left that behind when it became more uh, expensive, when it became more uh like too financially viable to ignore that the famicom was selling like a famicom game was going to sell way better than a random pc88 game uh like at least as an exclusive they did like port like final fantasy one dragon quest one the msx that sort of thing but uh the other thing is that like uh you definitely need to approach this from a different standard uh because, like, the, the assumption in modern days is, like, oh, the PC is the uh, system with the most powerful specs. That is not a guarantee in 80s PCs at all. Uh, like, the reason that modern PCs are so extensible is because of the uh, IBM PC standard, which uh, was not meant to be a standard. It was meant to be something that, like, IBM was going to get into the home computer market. And so they made, like, they wanted to do it yesterday, so they made a new system out of off-the-shelf parts. They like the 8086 processor and, like, a CGA video card. So, like, you know, a handful of off-the-shelf parts that you could buy because they didn't have, they wanted to get started as soon as possible. They uh, bought a version of DOS and slapped that thing in there, and suddenly you have a standard that other people can replicate as long as they buy the same off-the-shelf parts or make compatible ones, and buy the same off-the-shelf DOS and or make compatible DOS. What like was the, question again? the question was like whether <laughs> uh, Square and Enix stuck with the PC in the '80s uh, because of like power concerns, and the answer is that like a PC88 is not is honestly demonstrably less powerful than a Famicom. <laughs> uh, like, I'm sure there are updates to the PC-88 that are stronger, but, like, also, that's, you know, the Famicom was also constantly getting new mapper chips that added uh, things. Like, companies were at liberty to and often did create their own chips to make them stronger. Uh, like it goes the, back to our discussion last week, or was it last week about um, computer parts with graphics cards? How like every you know buddy had their own graphics cards and stuff, so you you have end up with like six or seven different versions of the game, all designed to work on different systems because no two systems were the same enough to where one single 
version of the game could work across everything. Yeah, and like this is this is the same, but even more so because like the '80s computer market is even more fragmented because everyone there there is no agreed upon standard. The IBM PC is not taken over and become what we think of as a computer. So you like in America, you have uh, Commodore and Texas Texas Instruments and like uh, you know a bazillion uh, Coleco and a bazillion other companies all putting out their own computers, some of which are compatible with others, some of which aren't. You have, in Japan, you have Sharp and Fujitsu and, uh, like, a bizarre amalgamation of other companies producing their own computers. Bandai has a computer from that era that is named after a Gundam for some reason. Uh, like, uh, there is... And then in Europe, you have things like the Amstrad and the... Uh, the Amstrad CPC and the... Uh, like Sinclair Research, ZX Spectrum, like all these com all these companies are producing mutually just completely incompatible systems uh, with wildly variant power levels. Uh, like by the time that you're getting to the point where like even in Japan PCs are like indisputably more powerful with things like the Sharp X68000, Square has basically already pulled out of making games for PCs. Uh, like the the closest thing to an open PC standard on the in Japan was the MSX, which was a, a standard device uh, that like a number of companies manufactured things to. But the original MSX is like woefully underpowered comparatively in a lot of ways. Not the least of which is it has no hardware capacity to scroll. So if you play the MSX version of Dragon Quest One, it feels like you're going to have some sort of seizure. It's constantly, like, scroll... It, it is having to uh, unload and draw in lines with no semblance of smoothness. It can't... It, it's absolutely horrible to play. I don't recommend it. Um, like, these... These systems have very strange quirks to how they function. And consoles were good for games because they were a computer that was designed only to play games and thus tended to have hardware that was suited to making games work. So you would see a PC game was one that was either had content that a console developer wouldn't like be a fan of. It was made by a company that uh, didn't want to pay fees uh, around them. So you got things like Wolf Team uh, slash Telenet Japan was very much into the PC market. Uh, or, you know, like, just just some combination of those factors tended to keep things off of consoles. But if you, if you were in pursuit of power, you were not looking at, like, a console versus PC divide because the console was going to be better at, like, moving bitmaps around a screen. And then also, let's go back to the fact that you know, making a game for a console, as we've brought up, they only needed to make a version for the console. They didn't have to make, yeah. like, 50 versions for all these different possible iterations of PC parts. Yeah. To... An exaggeration, but, you know, that could very well have happened because of all the different compatibilities. It's not like today where parts have generally, to the most part, standardized, except in the case of GPUs being between AMD and NVIDIA. But mm. for the most part, 
across the board, everything else has standardized from processors to motherboards. It's just your GPUs can be can be the limiting factor. Yeah, and and like it, it's also worth noting that like because uh, every company had its own make of PC, that meant that they actually had fewer different kinds of uh, computers that you could run into individually. Like you could say that like this. PC-88 game will probably work on most PC-88s. There will be incompatibilities between different models for very dumb reasons. But, but like, they're, they're less of a shifting target, but the problem is that now you also have to deal with the FM Towns and the Sharp X1 and, like, five other computers that I'm not talking about. So you, you get, like, all of these extremely... Uh, very, like, it, it just... Like, the thing that... Uh, finally dragged them onto the Famicom for these companies was it's too big of a market to ignore. Hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and you run into some uh, other... Uh, the, the other limitation that took a while that may have had a bigger uh, influence was that, uh, certainly not for Dragon Quest, but perhaps for fantasy uh was the incapacity to have a save uh on early nes games like until battery saves were uh created for the sake of the original legend of zelda uh as far as that console was concerned there was no capacity to have a proper save you had to use passwords so dragon quest one and two in japan have passwords uh Dragon Quest 2 has a really long password, actually, but, uh, whereas, uh, like, you know, you, you finally see Final Fantasy, uh, having been uh, available as a, uh, cartridge with a battery backup. I don't think that's a disk system game in Japan. That's the other thing, uh, that, you know, the disk system... Uh, kind of opened things up for PC developers who were concerned about like cheap media and uh, the, the Famicom disk system, I should say, opened things up for developers concerned about cheap media and who wanted saves because you could write to the write to those floppy disks, which is why uh, you would often see games that were uh, slightly more exploration focused on the disk system. But the issue, of course, being and the reason everyone ended up moving back to cartridges anyway. You couldn't store that much on disk. They're, they're like I forget what the exact uh, size of a Famicom disk system disk is, but it's it's a paltry number. Let me double check. Disk system. Uh, yeah, they were double sided with a total capacity of 112 kilobytes per disk. Uh, which, yeah, like, because the saves were stored upon the disc, uh, it meant that, like, making multi-disc games was hard. It was not something that you could easily uh, do. So, uh, <laughs> like, eventually, uh, the increase in ROM chip size, the development of uh, the concept of bank switching to allow you to hot swap in 
uh, d different parts of the cartridge onto the memory map and chips to allow you to do that better. Uh, in, in general, like the, the cartridge just made more sense so that, but by that point, people were already who had been lured in by the disc were already, you know, making Famicom games and we're going to stop. <laughs> Let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, 157. You know, I find it weird that no one has tried to make some kind of sincerely great game from stock models and royalty-free music. It's an ironic response to the flood of shovelware using these same resources. I mean, I'm sure someone's done it. You just how would you how would you be able to tell? Like they would just get lost in the same flood. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that there are like some great games, ironic or not, made from stock art and assets, but you know. Yeah, um as an example actually, because um, I was noticing this, that uh, Crystal Project game mm -hmm. is using a lot of stock art. Mm -hmm. And the reason I know that is I was when JC was playing it earlier, I was like, hey, I recognize some of those models from Fantasy Expedition, which is made by a completely different company. Mm -hmm. So, um, and apparently that one's very good. Now, is it still probably a little bit shovelware? Yes, Fantasy Expedition is sort of like a roguelike too, but you know there is a lot of generic assets between the both of them that are shared. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, some some people can make really good games with it, and some people can't. The pro the problem comes in is the people who can't don't realize they can't either, and that's part of the reason why we see so much of it. I mean, I think it's also just that a lot of people are relying. You know, you the the archetypal. Uh, Steam asset flip, which this was likely at least in part uh, inspired by, is the kind of company that doesn't care about quality. They're just hoping to eke out enough sales that uh, the minimal effort pumped into something will be like they spent very little money, so they don't have to sell a lot in order to make to break even. So I think that's also a lot of it. Uh, but yeah, you, you just get a lot of... I, I think it would be possible to... Like, certainly it's possible to make game great th great things out of, uh, like, royalty-free or stock assets. And I would, like, encourage anyone who's uh, thinking about, like, wanting to get into game dev that start with them. Like, start with things that are free. And, you know, if you end up reaching a point where you want to, like get your own art or music it's it's a lot less of a commitment to worry you can kick that can down the line you can worry about that commitment later if you've got access to like a pre-built game creation tool like rpg maker or game maker or something well that's not pre-built but you know so you know engines and pre-building pre-built tools those sorts of things like use those absolutely use those you can worry about like uh art and music when you have a better handle on what you're making. That's fine. That's what companies do all the time. <laughs> uh, and like, you know, like people are getting wiser to how 
uh, people are starting to better understand how companies reuse assets. And, you know, sometimes they reuse them elegantly, like uh, the skeletons of FF15 models seem to have been used to help uh, speed up the creation of, like, FF7 remake models. And sometimes they're used inelegantly, like uh, FF14 models hot swap directly into Babylon's Fall in an art style where they don't work. Like, you get all sorts of, like... Yeah, I hadn't heard that one yet. Nope, that's in there. Uh, but yeah, like, it's just one of those things where it's like, it you know, reusing assets, even if they're not assets you created, is a part of the artistic process. It's an important skill to learn, because you just can't remake everything every time. It's not possible. It's not worth your time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Final Fantasy fourteen, perfect example of them re. I'm not going to. They use basically WoW. built a new MMO on top of a dead one. Yeah. Well, not only that, but I mean, they do reuse assets all the time, but even when they reuse it, they do try to make their reused assets look different. Um, I shared a picture earlier on their Discord, where because um, I had just gotten the new uh, Tyrannosaurus mount. Hmm. And so the old one looks like a very traditional T-Rex. You know, this one has um, a different jaw shape. Hmm. And, you know, different head and jaw shape. And you can so you can definitely tell there is difference in how they remodeled it, even though it is, for the most part, the same model. It's not like, mm -hmm. wow, where even when they remake, when they do something like that, you can very easily, you know, these are two things that are supposed to look very similar. Whereas in mm. WoW, they will re they will take a model, try and make it look completely new, so people don't realize it's a new, not a new model, and then you have someone who can basically say, "Yeah, no, that's the same model." Um, mm. Perfect example: female Draenei, female Worgen, mm. and the new female Draconan race, which is announced for Dragonflight, all use the exact same model. Mm. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's new. I was like, no, that's not new. That is a reused female Worgen. That is a reused female Draenei. Now, they may mm. have more bones in, the, in like, the back end behind the textures, but the base of the model is still the same. Mm. And that is Angry Video Game Rant number five. But, yeah, like, to, to contextualize this further, though... Uh... Like, smart asset reuse is as old as the hills, uh, and by as old as the hills, I mean as old as the hills in Super Mario Brothers. Uh, <laughs> there's, the, there's the fun thing that everyone, uh, like, every few years, like, you'll see someone stumble upon this for the first time, that the clouds and bushes in Mario are the same, like, background object, colored differently. It's just, you know... You just need to be smart about how you use your assets. That's a very important skill set to pick up. Also, hello. 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 I'm glad you, I'm glad you made it in before we petered out. Uh, any good questions left? Uh, Maybe. Probably, at least a few. <laughs> uh, Didn't we have one where... Wasn't there one like two weeks ago we needed Gaijin for or did you guys cover that last week because I completely slept through last week 
I don't think we did because I don't think I would have had any desire to go after it without Gaijin. So let's see. We can find There's something we talked about on Sunday that we needed him for. I can't remember. Possibly, but I'll look. While he looks, what have you been playing, Gaijin? Well, I finished Metal Dogs. Oh, that was good. That was quick. <laughs> Which, um, I mean, it was a cute little sort of roguelite adventure game where you ran around with a puppy dog and missile launchers. And um, not much more than that, but it was still better than Xeno Reborn. Oof. Okay. Oh, that's damning with faint praise. Which is sad, because <laughs> no, apparently Xeno's better than Xeno Reborn. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah, I, I mean, the game that actually made me nostalgic for the game it was supposed to replace. Yeah, which really is just yeah. all-time failure. The game that managed to get its own sequel renamed within two months of its actual release. Of the, um, just to please forget this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Metal Logs is better than that. Mostly, mm -hmm. yeah. That's good. Mostly. Ooh. Wait a second. <laughs> well, I mean, what? it doesn't have much of a story, but neither does Yenna Reborn. Oh, I, could, yeah, I didn't expect much of a story out of Metal Dogs, to be fair. <laughs> but there actually is a, a kind of a plot thread going through. It's just, yeah. Hmm. So, final thoughts? <laughs> oh, I'm still trying to get a review together on this thing, but it's, oh, okay. then I'll, it's cute I'll be... and it's decent. And it's... Wasn't it kind of what I needed. Oh no, no, it's, um, it's on full release on Steam. Um, I strongly recommend the Switch version. Interesting. Well, I mean, it, it can't just be my laptop's fault on this, but the the uh, lag and the frame drop rate and the fact that I'm still enabled to or unable to use my um, gamepad controller with it on my computer. Yeah, the mattress. Yeah. There's some games you have to, like, try and manually finagle it with Steam to do that controller support. Tried, and it didn't work. Ooh. Oh, boy. Yeah. I should try again sometime soon just to see, or sometime this next week just to see if in I can. In the interest in thoroughness. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not finding this question. Hopefully... Like, it won't get asked again, so that we can uh, parse it out. But... Well, I gotta go. Did you, did you answer okay. Doomerang's question? You do. Yeah, yeah. Alright, yeah. see you guys. It's been fun. Bye, Joe. Bye. Yeah. But if you got something to say about uh, Doomerang's question, feel free to double back to it. Well, I mean, my main thought when I saw this question, but... Um, if, if the game's doing its job right, you don't need to watch the anime first. Yeah, pretty much. And like, you know, a lot if if the game if the anime is based off the game, the anime is probably not very good. Uh and really if it's the other direction, then it's the game's job to let you manage this. Uh hmm. or to manage this for you. Yeah, so we, we came to largely the same conclusion. Yeah. So have you played as many games based on anime and manga as I have? 
I don't think that's possible. <laughs> just, just by dint of access, I don't think that's possible. Yeah. And of all the ones I've skipped playing, too. You, you could yeah. ask Jim, Jim's for some interesting examples as well. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I think he did Romance Dawn for One Piece. Yeah, someone tagged him on something on the uh, on the Discord, and he didn't even reply, so hoping he's okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, let's hit this run one real quick. Is there any kind of game-themed food or drink you would like to try? Hard foods at Final Fantasy and Pokemon cafes are pretty good. Well, um... This was about... Oh, I would say about 14 years ago now, but I actually saw Mabo Curry from the Tales series in stores. <laughs> eh, I'd eat it. Marketed as from the Tales games. <laughs> Important. Well, yeah. isn't there a is isn't there a Dragon Quest bar? Yeah, there's still one. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. You know what? I will say, if I ever make it to Japan, I do want to eat there. Worth a shot. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's still named after the the gal from Dragon Quest Nine. Three. <laughs> yep. I mean, I I know it's the same bar as Nine too, but three was the first appearance. Yeah. Uh, let's see. But yeah, there, there's some that I'm like I, I'm specifically. Huh? What which? Oh, we finally got past the tutorial. Oh, congrats. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, and now he's going off. Whatever he does. Uh, he'll be back. Uh, but, yeah, I can't think of, like, a specific place where it's like, oh, I really want to go here. It's just honest. Like, if I was nearby, I would try one for the novelty. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. It's one we all might have slightly different answers for. What's your favorite example of a game renowned when it came out but that has been forgotten by time? Mine is the first Unreal. Hmm. Hmm. Trying I'll to think of things that, like... <laughs> I don't know that that was renowned, although it kind of owned. Um, you know what? It is in a song. Yeah, what? but Eiffel 65 like is weird. <laughs> hey, I like Eiffel 65. Shut up. That doesn't. I, I can't imagine someone liking them and not acknowledging that they're weird. <laughs> True. But yeah. Uh, they that, came back together a few years ago. Yeah. And I feel like I should point out that, that, uh, that my console also contains references to Bloody Roar and the X Files game. So. There's some choices in that that it's like I, I don't think these were I think this is literally just what the songwriters had on their shelf rather than necessarily the all the most popular games <laughs> but yeah anyone who's not sure what we're talking about go look up uh, my console by Eiffel 65 <laughs> but yeah um Omega Boost is awesome, though. It's a game made by Polyphony Digital before they became the Gran Turismo Pooping Factory. Uh, and it's uh, actually a really neat rail shooter uh, with a completely nonsense story. And 
had one of the designers on the Panther Dragon games on it, so had a lot of rail rail shooter bona fides. But, yeah, um, Unreal is really a good uh, example because Unreal, as a brand, got completely overtaken by the engine and Unreal Tournament. So the fact that the first Unreal product was just called Unreal is almost completely forgotten at this stage. <laughs> Uh, like, I wouldn't say this is completely forgotten by time, but, you know, you get into, like, those, uh, those early Ultima games are just, like, those were hugely popular at the time. They're just completely, like, even among people who care about Ultima, the series basically starts at four. <laughs> I've really enjoyed six and seven part two. Hmm. Like the the amount of appetite there is to revisit a Calabeth or Ultima one through three, even among history history buffs, is pretty limited. Yeah, and I've and I played it. them. They're hard. They're they're not. They're very obtuse. They're yeah. obtuse, and they they're also basically just Lord British putting in whatever he feels like at any given moment without much concern for structure. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like the original Wizardry games or the original Legend of Heroes games as well. Yeah, like you know popular at the time huge like incredibly influential but like no one mm -hmm. plays them anymore even histor historically no one's going back for wizardry one realm of the mad overlord or whatever um but yeah i'm trying to think of like you'll, you'll go back and look at some of the like uh popular games of like various eras and like they'll a lot of times the they'll still have like a fiercely loyal following but like you know uh i usually think of these more in terms of games that were like more po like more popular than they are now like just games that's reputations have generally diminished so like when i think about uh like a, a personal one of mine would be the devil may cry 3 and god of war 1 released a month apart and at the time god of war one was way more popular but i think you would be hard pressed to find someone who's going to argue that uh god of war was a better or more like a, a better game or that it stood the test of time than devil may cry 3 at this stage uh in a, in a vaguely similar fashion you could look at something like the uh, arguments about Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat at the time. You would, at the time, you would find like some truly deranged human beings who honestly thought that Mortal Kombat was a better fighting game than Street Fighter Two. But I don't think that you'll find many people ready to make that argument in 2022. Yeah, uh, probably still out there. But oh, I'm, they exist, I'm sure. But like, it is no longer. It's no longer an argument you're going to make without extreme, like, sideways glances unless you're deeply invested in a specific, a Mortal Kombat specific community. Um, I think. Here's what really well liked at the time. Like, because that, like, that's the issue is that, like, uh, the thing that stays my hand about mentioning a lot of things is that, like, there's always someone that still really deeply loves these things. And that's, that's ready to the go. Nature of fandom. Yep. And it's it's very rare to find something whose fandom has just entirely disappeared. Um, 
especially in the realm of RPGs, which are often played by people who are just generally obsessive. Yeah, it, we're going to have to wait another two or three decades before we completely lose some of these fandoms. Yeah, Just pretty much. Uh, but like thing. All right, I'm back. What else? Well, maybe you can contribute to this. Uh, I was going to say uh, that even then, there's no guarantee we'll lose those fandoms because there are even now, you know, young people who still. I mean, there was a recent uh, Tetris World Champion who was like, what's fourteen? Yeah, but Tetris is also one of the most available games ever. <laughs> yeah. But but um, there's also... People do play old games. I remember there was a... At uh, GDQ a couple of years... Several years ago, there was a like 14-year-old who was speedrunning Super Mario World who was there with his grandmother as his chaperone. And she had no idea what was going on, but she thought it was really cool that people were yeah. so excited for his skill. Yeah, yeah but... but that's a game, again, that had massive coverage, has an ongoing existence franchise, and has not actually been disowned by its own creators. Yeah, like, that's that's the issue you run into, is that, like, a lot of these will continue to have fandoms as long as there is profit to be made from selling them again. And anything yeah. that had a name inevitably gets uh, pilfered for this. Uh, Wheels, the question was, what is your favorite example of a game renowned when it was uh, when it came out, but that has been forgotten by time? Uh -huh. And the example that uh, Firemine Enlisted was the first Unreal. Mm. Yeah, Which is a really a good, good one. one. Yeah, it's a really good one. Because no one cares about the original Unreal. No. For those in the audience who do not remember how much Unreal was considered a uh, big deal at the time, there was a magazine uh, at the time, Next Generation, that has one of the most, like, in hindsight, profoundly embarrassing covers imaginable. Uh, which is uh, just a screen, a, a hideous looking, in retrospect, screen from Unreal. Like, it's just like this blown up image of, like, a, a for the time, like, impressively modeled enemy, like, about to attack you or whatever. And the cover just says, yes, this is a real screenshot. It's just like, this is the most instantly dated thing you could have put on a cover of anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I actually just had a thought of one. Mm -hmm. Earth Siege. I don't remember this game at all. I vaguely remember that name. So Earth Siege was one of the was a very big, um, you know, Mech Battler, kind of like Mech Warrior and whatnot, uh, produced mm -hmm. by um, Sierra. I I Interplay. <laughs> and um and actually you know um earth siege became earth siege 2 then it became star siege which then became oh yeah uh, i do know that so but earth siege and earth siege 2 were very big very popular for its time and let's take this right now one out of four people in this chat remembers it like Offhand. Yeah, I've yeah, I've slowly, dimly unearthed memories of reading about this, but never playing it. <laughs> yeah, I I I owned it. Um, one of my cousins owned it. I've played a lot of it, and one of the easiest ways to disable a mech to, and loot all mm -hmm. their crap because part of it is you would salvage, you know, what you didn't destroy. Mm -hmm. You take out the crotch. 
Of course. Of course. So you took out the crotch, the back would fall apart, but it wouldn't destroy, you know, for the most part, it wouldn't destroy any of the valuable parts. You get all the other parts, yeah. But uh, I, you hit upon something because you brought up Interplay, which is a company that uh, died and most of its assets just sort of scattered, like Fallout was purchased. I still have a copy of an Interplay computer game collection. Yeah, and I would imagine that a ton of the games on that are just completely forgotten to time. Yeah. Some of these games are so old that you actually have to print out the, um, not the DRM, but the, uh, the, manual? the messages. Yeah. The text. Mm-hmm. And then check whenever it says, see page 25 or something. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, like... Another, another one by them I really like was, uh, was a spin, uh, uh, like a tactical spinoff of Earth Siege, which was called Cyberstorm. Mm. The, uh, just in general, I, I would say PC games were typically more prone to falling into this because they were often made by uh, companies that were essentially either like acquired uh, for their like dev teams and put onto. Uh, things became more popular, or like a lot of those publishers went out of business. All sorts of things that make them or in the case less of Vicky, prone. There was a whole bunch of backroom bad deals. Yeah, so a lot of these like old PC publishers, they you know they would produce things that were very popular at the time, and they've just sort of disappeared into the ether. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I can think of is uh, like this is an extremely popular uh, multiplayer FPS at the time, Tribes. That's just gone. Just um, no constituency at this point. I think there's the last I heard there was a tribes like web based. Yeah, I think that's been shut down. Okay. <laughs> I, as oh. I said, last I knew. But uh, when I was at PAX, so Gearbox has a game called Tribes of Midgar. So I was walking Not around the same. and happened to see that sign. It's like, what? Are they bring back tribes before realizing that no, no it's, it's something totally different. There you go. Yeah, there, there, yeah, there were tons of like it, it was considered a big deal that one of the first uh, PS2 games, uh, one of the first PS2 online FPSs, was going to be a tribes game, and then there was just not that much. Um, yeah, uh, like the last update that Wikipedia has about the free-to-play browser tribes uh, is from 2015, so... Yeah. Dead. Yeah, I think it's dead. Um, but yeah, like it's just one of those things, like, it, it was huge at the time, it's basically just gone from the consciousness entirely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of any Japanese games that would have been huge and then dropped. Because, the, the best again, the best I can think of is the original Legend of Heroes games, and... It's just because they've been supplanted. This is where I start yelling about JB Herald Murder Club. Yeah. So, I mean, no matter how old or even awful a game is, you can often find at least one fan group attempting to do a remake. Oh, 100%. I mean, they also the Hoshio Miruhito. I was going to say, I was about to say, yeah, they remade Stargazer. Yeah. And fixed it. (laughs) Good on It's a better game. That's why I. When I wrote the impression, I described it as the Ed Wood of video games. It's like, you don't wa- play it to enjoy it, you play it to learn how to do better. 
Yeah, it inspires a raw fascination just from sharing confidence. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, <laughs> for those unaware of the thing that I just name-dropped, uh, J.B. Harold Murder Club was a uh, like Japanese adventure game from River Hillsoft that apparently sold like millions and millions of units over the course of many ports, but you don't, you've never heard of J.B. Harold Murder Club. <laughs> Uh, more, more of a Japanese thing. But, uh, I don't think there's been any attempt to revive that franchise, as far as I can tell. It seems to have largely died with River Hillsoft. Other than the occasional remake of the originals. But, yeah, you get like those happen very, very occasionally, but since. Companies are so broadly unwilling to let an IP die, they will slap it onto things that honestly don't benefit from it. It becomes hard for games to just be completely forgotten by time. <laughs> uh, at least any game that was popular to become completely forgotten by time. Uh, and let's maybe hit this last one. Hit, hit one last one before I pass out. Um... Number 160. Speaking of Unreal, is it weird that I find 90s FPSs have better AI than the modern ones? Then again, I think that when it comes to military shooters, developers just put uh, the low, least amount of effort into the single-player campaign. Uh, I think it's also just the way that the campaigns for those are designed. Uh, like, you know, the, the complaint even at the time when Call of Duty was first coming into popularity is that they're extremely linear games. Like, yeah. There's not really a space for AI to be complex in a lot of Call of Duty campaign maps. There's just not really... What are they going to do? <laughs> like, Honestly, uh, um, I've, one of my my friend, uh, Rosar, was mm -hmm. playing, some, uh, playing one pretty recently that has a pretty difficult AI. Um, Call of Duty? No, uh, Sandstorm Insurgency. Hmm. I haven't heard much of that one, but yeah, no, it's 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 pretty. It's it. I think it is like an indie made one, but it's the AI sense. in that is actually a, far more complex because like the AI will blow you up with helicopters. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it actually there is some difficulty to it. Yeah, and like like that's that's kind of the thing is that like the AI stopped really being the driving factor uh, to how they sold these. Like, you know, Call of Duty is, doesn't have limited AI because they don't know how to make it better. It's that they decided that it was not the thing that was selling the game. So they focused more on, like, set pieces and, in general, like, being harder turned away a lot of plays. So they made it easier. Like, they, you know, the this is not a decision made without uh, understanding. Like, if you go back to, like, the mid-aughts when Call of Duty was taking off, there's a competing first-person shooter series called Fear. And Fear it was, at the time, renowned for its, like, the AI is quite clever in that. And, like, it, if you look into how it's actually uh, made, it's very, uh, it's actually very simple. Like, it's just designed to constantly be in motion. And because the way the levels are designed, the AI works with that. So it's, like, the... Uh, AI was essentially described as just turn left, like the enemy 
uh, finds, uh, like, starts moving in a direction, and, like, it comes to a point where it needs to move uh, in some direction, and it'll turn left and keep moving, and that gives the impression of them flanking you. But it's just built around a very simple AI script that's working within a very specific level design. Uh, but, you know, like... Uh, and a lot of players really like that. They really like these uh, encounters that would cause you to like really have to be careful about your situational awareness. But that kind of situational awareness takes a while to develop in theory. Like some people can't develop it; they have difficulty with it. That stops them from playing the game. They don't want like Call of Duty is a mass market game. It's supposed to. It's all about making sure that you're still playing it. And so, a single player is designed to be gentle it, it doesn't want to have a more difficult ai system because that might turn away players uh and players liked the more set piece driven like here's here's a big thing that's happening uh you know and most of it's scripted but you know it doesn't matter like these people aren't a, a lot of these the vast majority of the player base is not going to play this more than once. It doesn't matter that like this is scripted and like it always happens the same way. They aren't going to see it again. So you know, you just like it's it's not that they can't, and it's not even weird that you think the old AI is better. It's just that you know, it's it's an emphasis on where their priorities are. It's yeah, designed for something different. Mm. Yeah, it's do do they want to turn off potential players who? can't meet the skill gap to play the game or do they want to try and sell as many copies as they want basically yeah just just keep bringing them back for game after game after game and you know you can you can even see that in the way that you know call of duty sort of overtook halo like halo has a much more complex ai model than call of duty like because of its inherent nature as less of a set piece shooter and more of a uh to describe uh, and more of an arena shooter like you like the if you look at the way the combat encounters are designed in call of duty it's it's a more linear and restricted firefights whereas in a uh halo you you sort of move from like a big at least in the older ones i should say like not not counting infinite i, I can't speak for anything past four because that's lots when i played but like the, the fundamental design of a Halo level is there's a big-ass arena with a whole bunch of enemies scattered around it, and those enemies are designed to sort of have AI that isn't complex, but the things that one thing does exploit uh, gaps in your attention that other things do. And uh, so that uh, gives the impression of more impressive AI. Because each of these simple AIs is designed to essentially work as a mass. And that's, you know, as you remove elements of that, the firefight gets easier. Like when the brutes are gone and when the elites are gone and all those, it, it becomes much easier to deal with. Uh, but uh, the, the fundamental design of a Halo level typically was that you had a big arena and then you have a, a, a segment that's more linear it kind of funnels you into a bit another big firefight that has like a large group of enemies in it and you get kind of the same idea from uh the more recent doom games they also have that kind of 
structure within them, but with more like mazes and such. But you know, they have that same arena shooter feel that uh, produces that sense of a more complex AI because the area they're built in is designed to create chaos. Uh, anything to add, Wheels? You'd be the one that would probably have the most to say on this. Uh, no, you got it pretty much right. Um, and I think really as the shooter shooters have become more about straight up PvP than PvE for the most <laughs> part, I feel like even like developing more AI is like much less important than it used to be. So oh, they care about bots, so yeah. So things like Fortnite and other games like that, the bots are really, really dumb and no one cares. Um, no single one has ever you, has ever been bothered by this. And honestly you have to go to like old school shooters like or made by an old school developer like say um destiny to find games with where ai is more important and although obviously those are again uh more pve based and not only not exclusively PvP. so um, hmm. yeah it, it makes a lot of sense that shooters in the 90s would be would have better AI. Comparatively more AI, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, um, they needed it more in the 90s because that was the whole game. That was going to be everything you got out of this. Yeah. So I think it's a little skewed. It's a little skewed because, you know, a lot of the major shooting franchises are ones where you don't really care about the AI whereas I think there's actually more shooters nowadays with good AI than you think it's just probably not necessarily the ones you're playing like you go into Destiny or go into something like Halo obviously yeah you know those have really good AI and I'm sure there's some others as well but, uh, that I can't think of but <laughs> Yeah, obviously things like Call of Duty are pretty brain dead, and a lot of things copied that for a while, so it makes sense. But if you look around, there's there's more out there, is what I would say. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm personally at least mentally dead, so... Alright, <laughs> start wrapping this thing up then. Yeah. Uh, plugs. Plug. Everyone plug. Oh. Oh yes, it's been a while. Hi. <laughs> Don't worry, I plugged for you last week. <laughs> Thank you very much. I hope I I appreciate the job that you did. I have not heard it to be honest. It just went up. <laughs> oh, okay. It, it makes me feel better. And uh, also to um, whatever was going on with the background noise when in whichever episode was being mentioned in the Discord, I am sorry. It was probably me doing something. So I've been avoiding actually eating during podcasts for the last six months. So. I think it, it was probably you cooking dinner, because that sometimes bleeds through a little. Yeah, or washing dishes, most likely. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, in any case, I apologize for whatever the actual noise was. Okay. Okay, so getting on to there, we have... Uh... Okay, so the plug. Plug. Okay, how do we do this one again? Been a while. <clears throat> princesses. Yes, princesses. So, if... If you enjoy actual play um, RPG podcasts or video casts or whatever, and you want to have some of that fun in print format instead, I have a wonderful series for you in, in publication since, two, I think it was 2017 when I first started this, um, actually putting them up. Uh, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, available on Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, and in paperback format for collections, if you feel like it. Um, just... Uh, if you again, if you enjoy role-playing games, reading about role-playing games, um, living vicariously through other people's poor, um, poor role-playing decisions and bad dice rolls, or just want to support your local gaijin, uh, please check it out. That's uh, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U, uh, available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Thank you. Always a pleasure, and soon. So but, uh, yes. Let's see. Uh, Tam, what you got? Uh, I am one of several people who who uh, stream over at twitch.tv slash rpgamer. Uh, we have streams seven days a week. Um, a lot of classic RPGs, some, some modern stuff, and one guy who goes through like two or three different games a night, so you never know what you'll catch. Um, so you can catch me usually uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays in the early a.m. Uh, I haven't done it in a while, but also sometimes on Friday nights. Um, unfortunately, I will, um, if you are watching this live and or the podcast actually goes up in a very timely manner, uh, I will not be on in the uh, morning only because I am getting a freezer delivered in the a.m. But uh, Yay, maybe. Um, my parents are moving. I'm getting their old freezer that we've Sweet. had for like 30 years, but it has a lock on it. And you do not know how excited I am for that lock. Now no more raccoons getting in. Not, no. Kids <laughs> pulling stuff out and going through Yeah, like that makes more sense. Five small lasagnas in the morning before school. <laughs> oh. In a single morning. Oh. Yeah, that doesn't you know, sound good. Well, he eats them. I can't be mad because he eats them. Wow, lasagna. <laughs> yeah, the little Stouffer's lasagnas. My my oldest son really loves Stouffer's lasagnas. <laughs> la, 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 Sounds lasagna. like it. So, lasagna, lasagna, but, uh, so, so I will not be on uh, tomorrow morning, but uh, generally speaking, uh, so, again, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and uh, also can catch uh, num numerous staff, again, throughout the week, seven days a week, so and supposedly we have a new staff member starting, but I don't know when. Surprise staff member. So, so David, tell me about your endeavors. Uh, I have been slowly chipping away at various uh, writings over the past month, but none of them have come to fruition, so I feel bad. Uh, but if you want to read the old ones, they're still at patreon.com slash study. Uh, they're still there. You can't stop them. They're, it's on a Patreon, but they're free. Uh, and as for that, that's about it for me. What else? What do you want to plug? 
Uh, you can catch me on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv such Ask Wheels, streaming random nonsense. Uh, I got access to the Overwatch 2 beta, so I'll probably be doing that this week. You. Quite you. Um, no, I have yeah. a friend who streams that heavily, and she did not get the beta access. I'm kind of... You just have to you have to watch somebody streaming it on Twitch and you will likely get access eventually. Why is this a mind virus now? Because why not? Because weird? You're weird. Yes. I didn't claim not to be, but I'm also not a multi million dollar game. Oh, Sunday Night Shenanigans on twitch.tv slash rpgamer, where we play and talk about random nonsense. Yeah, sorry for order. missing Sunday this work week. I was asleep. Rip. It's fine, we didn't I do much. I woke yeah, up we also did not, was also kind of asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I woke up an hour after you guys usually end. Hmm. Uh. Well, that means you woke up like an hour and a half or two hours after we actually ended. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a short one. It was a short one. Yeah. Don't go Wheels. as long when there are fewer people to be talking. Also, Wheels was uh, dead from Pax East. That's true. And you didn't have anyone else to talk to. <laughs> I mean, I can talk for hours if I, not, if I don't feel self-conscious about doing it, but... Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, I think that wraps us up. Uh, you can ask us questions, like our good friends Doomerang and Fireminer did this week. Uh, thank you to both of them. You can ask them in the comments section of this episode on OpiGamer.com, or you can ask them via the Discord, which is a lovely community you can get to by going to OpiGamer.com and clicking Community. I'll get you a Discord invite link. Even if you don't want to ask us questions, it's a great time. You should absolutely uh, take part uh, in the fine community that's built, been built up on the RPG Gamer Discord. A lot of discussions on your favorite RPGs and other things. So, you know, maybe join that. Or you can ask us live in the uh, chat if you happen to catch when we're streaming. Typically we stream uh, starting at around 9 p.m. Pacific. Wednesday nights, uh, barring the unforeseen. Uh, but, you know, that's, you know, uh, that allows you to heckle us in real time. So, you know, you you too can uh, cause a great deal of grief and sadness to arise in Wheels' voice. Oh my god. Because uh, <laughs> we love you. Okay, that's fair. In any case, but yeah, that's... But that's uh, kind of it for us. We will see you, Space Cowboys. See you. Uh... Bye.